Welcome to Talos Takes, the security podcast for everyone from the C-suite to the front lines. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talos Takes. We are all back from Vegas and RSA, and I'm joined today by Paul Eubanks from our threat intelligence team. Thanks for coming on, Paul. Hey, thanks for having me, John. So real quick, uh, it's, this is the, your first time on the show, but I hear that you are going to be on an upcoming Beers with Talos episode. But for Talos Takes listeners, can you just give us a quick overview of what your role is at Talos? Yeah, sure. So I'm a senior research engineer with Talos's Threat Intelligence and Interdiction Group. Uh, most of the work I've done here since I was hired has been focused on nation state computer network breaches and criminal syndicates operating on the internet. And lately, I've been focused on countering threats posed by ransomware groups and trying to keep our customers safe from those threats. Yeah, so we're here to talk today about those ransomware groups because we put up a post this week from you and your team that runs through a few different tactics that we use to remove ransomware actors' anonymous status on the dark web. And I want to start by asking you about why remaining anonymous on the dark web is so important to these groups. What in particular do they get out of remaining anonymous and being on these dark websites? Yeah, it's a good question. So the way these groups operate is by uh, damaging elements of computer networks belonging to businesses and agencies, uh, and then demanding an extortion payment to restore them back to their normal operating order. And they use the dark web or the Tor network to obscure the true location of their web-based infrastructure that they use for conducting their extortion attempts while still making it available for anybody to access. In most jurisdictions, computer crimes like this is a criminal act, so using the Tor network to maintain anonymity is kind of critical for them to evade law enforcement and prosecution. So let's get into some of the specific tactics that we use to unmask these groups. There are three in particular that you outlined in the post. Are these something that's new to threat research or have it have these techniques kind of been around for a while and now it just so happens that the actors slipped up and we could take advantage of it? You know, like how long have you been familiar with some of these tactics? Yeah, so these techniques we've used here aren't really new to anyone familiar with how, you know, the concepts of operational security or OPSEC. The techniques of identifier matching in this case through favicons and TLS certificate serials, they've been around for years. The last uh, mistake we discovered was in application security and is known as a directory traversal attack. And this sort of screw up has been around for, oh gosh, 20 years plus. So I'm honestly surprised any group engaged in advanced computer network (laughs) breaches like ransomware would make such an amateur mistake. The ransomware operators we profiled all screwed up badly enough that we could discover the clear web infrastructure they were using to the exact IP address and hosting provider location used. And in the case of the last one that we had in the write-up, we found the originating IP address of the person or persons administering the web servers. So it was kind of like a caught you red-handed kind of moment. So for me personally, I, I'm kind of curious to know more about some of these techniques because I I personally, and you know, if you're in the C-suite or something like that, you may not have any hands-on experience with the specific technical aspects of these techniques. So what's kind of like the explain like I'm five version of some of the things that you did to remove these groups anonymization? Legitimate web properties like Cisco.com, they provide assurances to their visitors that the person is visiting the correct site uh, via a certificate. 
user can look at that certificate in the web browser and verify that the site's valid and it belongs to cisco.com. Uh, this process is called TLS. Anonymity of the server, I guess, in this case, isn't a goal of TL TLS at all. It's the opposite, actually. TLS is used to guarantee the server's authenticity to the person visiting. Every certificate comes with a unique serial number, which is viewable by anybody visiting the site. Uh, in the case of certificate matching, we're able to match the serial number on the certificate used by the ransomware site on the dark web uh, to a single site being used elsewhere on the public internet. And from there, we were able to verify the content being served by both uh, the dark website and the public website were both the same. In the case of favicon matching, it's very similar. You're matching a page element there. It's a unique page element being served by the ransomware gang on the dark web. Uh, we match that with a page element being served with a single website on the public internet. Uh, in this case, it was a branding icon the ransomware group chose for itself, I guess, to appear more legitimate. The final tactic was used to, or was to use their own infrastructure against them. So ransomware operators often provide a chat room on the dark web to try and harass their victims into paying for a decryption key to provide to their victims so they can restore the damaged files. Uh, the ransomware operators will offer to restore one small file as a test bed and show a faith. Uh, so they put like an upload and download button on the same page that they used to chat with their victims. And in this case, we're able to manipulate this mechanism a bit to get the web page to send us back any file of our choosing. While a group managed to properly obscure the actual IP address of their hosting server, it, it didn't really matter. We didn't need it because we found something better. We told it to send us back the logs of all the users who successfully logged in to an administrative section on that ransomware page. And it the server just happily told us the originally the originating locations of all the ransomware operators administering it. I'm curious what this forces ransomware actors to do now that we've put this information out into the public. They basically like is the hope here by us disclosing this like, hey, they have to kind of go back to the drawing board and rethink their infrastructure. Yeah, they it may impose a cost on them. They may have to rebuild some of their infrastructure. Uh, they may also have to go back and look for other breaches because, you know, if we found it pretty quickly, odds are other people have found it as well. Uh, yeah, it's going to impose some sort of friction on them in their operations and potentially help hosting providers as well, kind of weed out some of the malicious actors that are that are using their networks. So one of the things that I saw that, that I think people may respond to this type of article about in this type of research is that we're essentially doing threat actors a favor by telling them where their OPSEC failings are. Now, to me, th this misses the point because ta as Talos, we want to arm other researchers out there in the security community with as much information as possible. And also, like, if you're, I'm, I'm stealing this from our, our teammate, Ryan Petney, but if a threat actor was already looking to us for advice on OPSEC, then they're probably not doing a very good job anyways. But I'm curious, you know, your thoughts on the topic and why you feel that, like, just putting all of this information out there is the net benefit of the security community. Yeah, so this is a tale as old as time. In every disclosure done, there's a, a calculus involved between... Getting information out, which is helpful to defenders versus helping the bad guys, right? And it's always a balance. Ultimately, we feel defense is a team game. And in this case, we decided that informing the team, uh, the defense team, uh, carried more benefit than what we gave up. All right, awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, Paul. Uh, this was super insightful, and I'll be linking to the blog post in the show notes, and it's still at the top of the Talos blog, so folks can go check it out there. Uh, I appreciate your insight, and I hope you have a good long weekend. Thanks, John. You too. 